Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. We're excited to be back together again in the beautiful Relief Society building for another special bonus episode with the General Relief Society Presidency, President Jean Bingham, Sister Raina Aberto, and Sister Sharon Eubank. Sisters, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. As a presidency, you asked that we come together again for another special bonus episode and discuss the idea that every woman in Relief Society can contribute in unique and valuable ways. And we wanted to know why was this an idea that you wanted to help Relief Society sisters really believe and understand? You know, we've talked about this, and I think we understand that many women feel that their talents don't fit a precise mold. We think of when we envision those who are leaders or who can have a large influence on others. And we often see ourselves as ordinary, and we may hesitate to step up and share the talents we have. Yet, every single person has talents and abilities that can help build others and help build the kingdom of God on the earth. So when we quit worrying about not being enough, it is remarkable what can be accomplished. Working together multiplies our efforts, and as a group, women can accomplish astonishing things. I'm going to reveal too much about myself, but I I play this thought game with my sisters that what if my ability at something, which is usually really low, was the best in the world? How would I feel about people coming to me to ask me to play the piano, which I don't play very well? But if I was the best in the world and people were responding to me, what would their confidence and their support of me do to my own ability? In this case that Sister Bingham is talking about, I sometimes think it's natural to feel like, why do they choose me, or I'm not good enough, or I'm comparing myself to somebody else. It's natural, but then Satan just uses that as a club. And some part of us needs that confidence, that wind, to just say, you know what? You're doing just fine. In fact, we all think you're doing fantastically. If we could be that for each other in the Relief Society, it would help us. Because as women, we are full of those questions and those doubts. We need other women and men around us to say, you're doing great. You're offering something that's really unique. I see what you're doing, and it's good. And mm-hmm. I think we can do that for each other. Mm-hmm. And then it would make my thought experiment with my sisters much better. <laughs> I would like to add that I think that as women, as members of Relief Society, we are already doing a lot. But sometimes we think that we are not doing enough. And I think that doing the work of Relief Society is not just what we do as an organized body of women, but I think it also has to do with what we do in our personal lives. It has to do with how we are strengthening our faith in Jesus Christ, how we are helping others to strengthen their faith, how we are ministering to all the people around us. So I really believe that we are already doing a lot. Of course, we can always do better and we can always do more, but I believe that we are already doing what the Lord has asked us to do. That's a really reassuring message. Thank you, Sister Alberto. As you were talking, it made me think that we have such a beautiful doctrine and set of beliefs that we really do believe that each person, each woman is a daughter of God, and each woman has gifts and talents to share. And I love, Sister Eubank, what you shared about we need to encourage and support each other and support that with confidence to give each other the extra oomph that we need to step forward and share those gifts and talents. 
I don't know if I can give this example, but President Bingham during her time has been such a good leader for Sister Aborto and me, because I think she understands that injunction that comes from Jesus, the most powerful person shares power with other people. And we don't see that example in the world. The people who have the power, they want to hold information and they want to keep this. But Sister Bingham is the exact opposite of that, and she's following the Savior's example. She shares everything with us as presence, unless it's something confidential. But she's very transparent, very open. This is what I'm working on. And it has allowed us to be much more effective because she has shared all of that. She doesn't make unilateral decisions. She sits down and counsels with us, and it's allowed us to be much more effective in what we're doing because of that style of leadership. She hates when I'm talking about this. You know, she's staring at me like, don't. But but it's a Christ-like pattern that we ought to be better at in the future. And President Bingham is very good at it. I would like to also say that what I love about her and about her leadership style is that she really trusts us. You know, she has really put her trust on us. I remember in the beginning, I asked her, do you want to see everything that I write and the messages that I give? And she said, no, no, I trust you. I know the Lord will bless you with revelation. And she has truly trusted. And that has been so wonderful to know that we have that trust from her. And I'm just thinking, what a way to inspire confidence. So you're not just second guessing yourself when you know other people aren't questioning you. And then you can really shine in the talents that you have. Sister Brigham, I appreciate when you said we think of talents as this ability to lead or share a great lesson or having these musical talents. That's always where my mind goes. These things are more obvious. But I love President Nelson's talk, A Plea to My Sisters, because he clarifies that we need women who can organize, plan, direct, administer, speak out, and counsel, all of these things that we might not think of as very obvious apparent talents. And we would love to just ask you, how can we expand our understanding of contributions, knowing that every sister and every talent is needed to build the kingdom of God? Oh, I love President Nelson's comment there. There's so many different talents that people have, and they're not unique to women or they're not unique to a leadership position, but everyone has talents. When he talked about we need women to know how to organize and to administer and to teach, some of those things that you think of as a leader, there are also things that he talked about. Like he said, we need women who know how to make important things happen by their faith who are courageous defenders of morality and families. Think about the impact that has in the world. He said, we need women who are devoted to shepherding God's children along the covenant path. Is there a better description of what true eternal impact will have than shepherding children along the covenant path? He talked about, and this one I really love, women who know how to receive personal revelation. Every single woman, regardless of her personal circumstances or situation, needs to be able to understand how to receive and act on revelation. That's not just those who are in leadership positions. When we can understand the power that we have, when we can learn to access revelation, and sometimes we think that's too big. I'm not the prophet. I'm not receiving revelation. Yes, you are in your everyday life. You're receiving pieces of inspiration on how to interact with coworkers, how to teach your children, how to respond to a neighbor or someone in the store. Those good things that we're doing, those are all evidence of the Lord giving us revelation on how to do His work. I totally agree. There are so many ways that we can share talents and so many different talents. We don't even think of talents that helps us to do what He said, to reach out and be fearless in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the happiness that we feel. 
I have a friend. She shared in her testimony one time that she feels like one of her gifts and talents is belief. And I just thought that was so inspiring to me. And I just see that in the way she is with her family and in her different callings and just with her friends. And I can see that. And I think that does a lot as far as her contributions. Just anyone around her can really feel that. And I think what a wonderful gift. I love it. (laughs) They're all needed, right? Mm -hmm. All the gifts and talents. In every time and place throughout history, Relief Society Sisters have had really unique opportunities to serve. And Relief Society Sisters around the world today face unique challenges and opportunities to lift up the hands that hang down and strengthen the feeble knees. At President Bingham's suggestion, we contacted a sister who has been at the center of serving Ukrainian refugees fleeing the war in their homeland and in desperate need of food, shelter, work, and basic supplies. For four months, Sister Agnieszka Mazarowska, the Relief Society President and Refugee Coordinator in Warsaw, Poland, has been coordinating refugee placement in her branch and even in her own home, distributing food and hygiene kits and helping Ukrainians learn Polish and find jobs. We got to talk to Agnieszka and she shared with us some of the lessons she's learned about the ways women and men are contributing to serve in Poland. At the beginning, we weren't prepared for such a tough situation and for such a tough experience. Because we met people with very sad uh, experience, very difficult experience. They lost their homes, they lost their relatives. And what is the most important, people from Ukraine, they lost their peace. And all of them, they were afraid of the future. So my role as a Relief Society president in Warsaw Branch was prepare sisters to help to give people the quiet shelter, but also be focused on their needs. They were stranger for us, you know, in this normal way, because most of them, they are members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Letters they Saints, but they were stranger for us. So it was a very, very tough situation, but also we knew that we are here in Warsaw, here in Poland, to help them. And it was the most important just to help. First, think about them. The second, thinks about how we can help. And the third, we have also take care of ourselves because we have to be strong when you help someone. But it was how it has started and still is continuing. My friends and I, we have a lot of stories to share. But I think the one touched me and a lot of people around was when one day I received a telephone from country coordinator of refugees. And he said to me, Agnieszka, there is one man from Ukraine and uh, he is in Warsaw and he needs to stay for a few days in Warsaw. Can you help him? I said, yes, of course, give me his telephone number. I contact him. Even I have a place for him because there is one brother in church who is willing to share his room with the man because he's also single. So so I was happy because, you know, the situation, <laughs> there is a problem and there is a solution for this. No problem, but, you know, to find place for someone. And then I called to this brother and I said, hello, my name is Agnieszka, etc. And he said, oh, nice to see you. But, you know, sister... There is one problem because there is wife with me. Oh, there is no problem. Okay, Martin also can host you and your wife. Yes, but my wife is pregnant. <sighs> oh, uh, in which month she is pregnant? Nine. Right now, 
I can talk about this in a calm way because I know the end of the story. But at the beginning, it was so difficult because it is difficult to find a place for someone who is pregnant because people are afraid what they can expect. Marcin Gawetsky, who hosts these people, this couple, he said, okay, I can give them the shelter till the baby will be born after I have no place for them. And then I asked French president how we can find a solution. And with his help, I find a place when this couple could stay with their baby, with their daughter after the delivery. It was very strange situation. Even I was cried because I don't know, I didn't know how to find a solution. I find strength in myself. I didn't know that I have to make marching open his home for two people, included one pregnant woman. And also ask Marcin, I help him to find the hospital <laughs> in any case. What was the talent Marcin found in himself? He was like driver and someone who was helping to go to the hospital when the labor has started. Marcin, <laughs> I and branch president, we were in such a different situation because in Warsaw there was no place for anybody, even in the smaller city, because it was this time when the number of people from Ukraine was still growing. So Marcin became, you know, almost like grandfather, branch president, and I would become logistician. <laughs> and then the baby girl was born. And right now she's in our branch. She's two months old. Her parents are still in touch with us and we still help them. But I think this is one of the most difficult and beautiful stories. I think all of people have talent to love people, but sometimes they don't realize that they have this gift. And every day I meet people who have this talent in their heart and they become like mother, like sister, like aunt for people who came to their homes. This is very difficult and sad situation because of, of the war. But I think that the situation has united us. What is like a miracle for me during this dark time, that the love is spread. Many times we ask in our prayers for power to be strong enough to help people because it's not easy to help every day. It's not easy to get information. We have another families with five, with seven people. We have someone who is sick, someone who is old. So we are tired and you need to be strength. So you have to pray for this, for help from God. And he answered. Every day we experience miracle. But without the prayer, I think it will be not so easy to help. Sometimes we went to bed very late and we have to wake up very early. And sometimes you have to be wake up during the night because you have to order Uber or you're waiting for someone. And one family just came in the middle of the night, you know, so someone was supposed to wait for them. Without <laughs> miracles, I think it will be very difficult to help. Last time on Relief Society lesson, I said that God is the best logistician. Without his help, without his knowledge, many problems will be not solved because we try to solve them in, you know, this um, people way. <laughs> and sometimes we thought, oh, this is the best solution. 
But finally, it happened that not God's plans are the best. For example, I have family of three kids and two adults. Where I should put them? And then I find the solution. Someone called me or someone said, oh, ask them. They said to me yesterday that they can host someone. So this is why I think that God's hand was the most important. We are just, you know, to do, but he decided. And he makes miracles in our life. And I see it every day. That was President Agnieszka Mazarowska from Poland. Sisters, what are your thoughts as you listen to Agnieszka? Oh, I loved, I love, love, loved hearing her share her thoughts about what she's been doing with a group to support the Ukrainian refugees. You know, she's not only supporting them, but she's also still providing service to the Polish sisters in her area and then her family. I love how she talked about the Lord guiding and directing the work if you trust him. When she said that love is a talent, that is so true. I always think about the Relief Society motto, charity never faileth. Charity, what is that? The pure love of Christ. And that really, really is the answer to everything. When we truly love as the Savior does, then we can accomplish his work. We can accomplish all the things that need to be done. When Agnieszka talked about you have to be strong when you help someone, and through prayer, we can be made stronger. We've all experienced that in our lives when we've had challenges, and we've prayed, and the Lord has answered those prayers in ways that has given us the courage to go forward. I love that she said that uh, God is the best problem solver and logistician, and that is so true. You know, sometimes we have these problems that we don't know how to solve, but if we just trust in the Lord, if we just pray and ask and seek for that divine guidance from heaven, the answers will come. And sometimes in ways that we didn't even imagine. I think that this example from this sister from Poland, Agnieszka, is such a beautiful manifestation of how the Lord helps us. You know, sometimes, like I said, in ways that we didn't even imagine. And it's beautiful to see that the saints in Europe are just rallying together to help and to support and to welcome all these refugees from the Ukraine war that are just in need of love and in need of support. And they are providing it in the Lord's way, and it's so beautiful to see that. And can I add one thing? Why are they doing that? Because of the love that they feel. They have that talent for love. They have that gift for love, and every one of us can develop that gift of charity. That is something that we can ask for and we can work on. But they are doing it because they love one another. And they love the Savior. And they love the Savior. They are absolutely keeping the first two great commandments. You know, we're talking about that there's no single right way to be able to serve and love that we all have talents. But something that Sister Mazurovska said that, that touched me was, you don't just get to do whatever your own way, you know, that I'll just decide that the, that the Lord can inspire you to do things. And he's the best chess player. He's the best logistician. But you've got to use your talent to get inspiration, not to just do whatever you feel like, but to do what the Lord wants done. And since we're under, 
covenant through our temple covenant. So we have a calling. She's a Relief Society president. She's getting her errand from the Lord the way Jacob did. Of Having first obtained my errand from the Lord, then I knew what to do. And I think that's an important point. We all have different gifts, but we can't just go out and just do whatever we want. It's to our benefit and the benefit of the people we're serving to get our errand from the Lord and find out what he wants us to do with the talents that he gave us. That is so interesting because Sister Mazarovska also talked about it wasn't immediately apparent what they should do, but she was led from thing to thing. The first idea might not have been the right thing and the next thing, the next thing, but finally, when they were ready, the right drawer was opened and the right thing happened. So we have to remember that it's not going to be perfect from the beginning every time. That We have to work at it. It really is effort, mm-hmm. and the Lord loves effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and I think of what Shaylin said kind of introducing Agnieszka's story was that we're not all at the front lines receiving refugees from Ukraine right now, but we all have unique challenges where we live and, you know, in our own communities and families, unique challenges, unique opportunities. And in some ways, they may be extremely difficult as well. Um, In many ways, they may be very difficult in different ways, but these principles still apply. I do think with knowing that Heavenly Father is this logistician, he's perfect at pairing the talent with the need. And it's beautiful to see that. And she brings up what she's doing with it. But the couple who saves, you know, $20 and donates to the humanitarian fund so that she has the resource to be able to buy something for the family she's trying to settle that week is just as much of an offering. It's just as much needed, but it's just in a different place at a different time with a different talent. And we don't necessarily see where that effort leads. So I appreciate you saying that. I think that even our prayers help, you know, in those situations, as we have been praying for those saints and uh, we pray for each other. I think that the Lord also, um, uh, he listens to our prayers and he he gives power and, and strength to the people that we are praying about. Do you know, I've been thinking about that, Sister Roberto. I've actually been praying for miracles. And I know that if we were able to speak to the people that were there, they would be able to tell us miracle after miracle after miracle that has happened because the Lord has answered our prayers to bless those members, those refugees that are needing help. I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that is something that we can do when we do all that we can, like you said, donating perhaps to the humanitarian fund, but being distant from being able to help on the ground, that prayer is a powerful tool that we can use. And even now I can think of these saints who are who are serving and in need of those prayers and miracles. So thank you. I often think about that prayer is one of the weapons that women have to wield because often, you know, men will go off to war. And this is certainly true in this Ukraine situation. And they are left at home. What do they use to fight with? They call upon God. It's the same that the the stripling warriors' mothers did. They prayed for miracles and then those sons saw those miracles. But those, that's really the way that women fight their conflicts as they call upon the Lord. Mm -hmm. With that talent and gift of belief, I think of your friend and faith. Mm -hmm. So thank you. I want to jump back to a few minutes ago, both Sister Alberto and Sister Eubank were making President Bingham blush a little bit. They (laughs) They were complimenting her on her ability and her encouragement throughout your time serving as a presidency, just to be yourselves and to be a part of the work. Like you both said, she was sharing with you. She wasn't making unilateral decisions. So I kind of want to turn now and President Bingham, I want to talk with you about how you have seen Sister Eubank and Sister Alberto's 
unique contributions and attributes, how those have blessed the lives of members around the world throughout your service as a presidency. Well, thank you for the opportunity to give kind of a rebuttal, if you will. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Making it fair. Yes, making it fair. It is actually very easy to see the unique contributions my counselors have made in the lives of thousands of ones throughout the world. You know, I think about Sister Alberto's background. It's really enabled her to connect with not only Spanish-speaking sisters, but those who've experienced the disruptions and losses of natural disaster, divorce, single parenthood, joining the church as an adult, learning a new language and living a lot of new places, the loss of a parent. I mean, so many difficult experiences. Yet she learned through all these experiences that faith in Jesus Christ has allowed her to feel joy and find purpose in life. And she consistently reaches out to those who are struggling. She lifts them through her sincere love and genuine caring. She really speaks to the heart, and many thousands of people respond to that genuine love. That's just one of the many things that I love about Sister Alberto. When you talk about Sister Eubank, she's used her many talents to impact literally thousands as she helps orchestrate church humanitarian efforts around the world. She's a master organizer and master administrator. She guides and directs the work with kindness as well as clarity, which is a difficult thing to do. She also quietly goes about doing good for and with individuals in her everyday life. Her talents and abilities have been developed over the years through observing and then serving. You remember that quote from Sister mm-hmm. Linda Burton? Mm-hmm. She intuitively watches for and reaches out to those who need a friendly lift every day. She speaks and she teaches with authority and power, and anyone who is with her is encouraged to increase their own testimony of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. So the talents of these women have been very evident in their service, and I am just so humbly grateful to the Lord for sending me these remarkable women to work with. They have expanded, certainly in an exponential way, the impact that we could have had if I was just all by myself. They are absolutely remarkable. All of you sisters are. You're really going to be missed. I'm just sitting here thinking it's been so wonderful getting to know you over the past several years. This is so neat for us to be able to get to talk to you at this time when you're transitioning your leadership to the next presidency. But we're really excited about this new presidency that's coming because the Lord has a way of raising new people up to do new talents, and it'll be fun to watch them do their work. It's true. And talking about how Sister Bingham has just allowed Sister Roberto and Sister Eubank to use their own unique gifts and talents to serve, and then having observed that, that's incredible. And I'm just wondering how we can do that in our own lives, too. We know that when we create space for women to contribute, Relief Society can become really a place of security and a place of confidence. And we are just wondering, how would you say we can create this space for those around us? Well, think about the skills that we've just been talking about as we sit here. The ability to share power with others, the ability to recognize different kinds of talents. And if you bring those to bear in a relief society so that all the women that are sitting there, very different, very different life experiences. But suddenly, if that becomes a room where we all belong and we're all valued for what we're contributing, then it's a safe place for people to work out the issues that they still have. And so it's led by people like President Bingham, who are very open and receiving of people. It's full of ministers who know how to help and care for one another. It's a place to discuss questions that all of us have. And suddenly that room or that group of women becomes a force of power. And I think that's the real purpose behind Relief Society. We're organized in that group to help each other and then go out and help the community because of those skills that we talked about. That's the potential that exists in Relief Society. 
I also feel that we need to really have the desire to get to know the other sisters that sit around us. I think that sometimes we feel that we don't belong because we think that they have perfect lives and that we are the only ones that are struggling with something. But once we take the time to get to know someone else, we realize that they are also struggling as well as we are maybe with different kinds of problems and different kinds of issues that they have in their lives. But I think that just taking the time to get to know each other, that makes a difference because then we can actually minister to each other. We can actually love each other and realize that we all need love. We all need a hug. We all need a smile. There is always someone who needs to be uplifted and to be comforted. And we can be the means for someone's prayers to be answered by just reaching out to others and just trying to get to know them better. I love that, Sister Berto, because that, that's something that can be everybody's talent and contribution is getting to know those around them and just simply asking a question, simply introducing yourself. I love to think of that as as a gift that you can cultivate. Mm-hmm. And is kind of the first step, right? How can you know how to utilize a talent or skill or invite someone to come in and to help if you don't know them? And I think of Sister Roberto, you were just talking on a lifestyle show in Utah, right? About how to get out of your shell and get to know other sisters, other women. It was a message to all. I thought those were some good suggestions. We can link to that too. I love that. Each of us has a responsibility as Relief Society sisters to create that safe space for one another. And we can all do it. There are universal things we can look at. For instance, avoiding judgment of one another by accepting one another's differences, by allowing each of us to overcome our mistakes, and by actively looking for the good in others, by reaching out, as Sister Alberto said, and inviting those who may be on the fringes to come sit by us and come be with us, come join this expanse of sisterhood. There's room for every single one if we act in charity, which, of course, is the Lord's pure love. Charity never faileth. Always the answer. I think we keep hearing reminders of Christ-like leadership, too. We do have a perfect example of the perfect leader, the perfect teacher, the perfect organizer of gifts and talents. And I love seeing that reflected in your service, in your effort to be charitable and something we can be working towards as well. And I think one of the most motivating things to me about Christ's service when he was here on the earth was how conscious he was about reaching out to other people, people who were on the fringes, people who didn't belong, who weren't accepted. He made a conscious effort, probably every day because it appears so much in the New Testament, to really reach out and show them, you belong, you're part of this. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about a poem that I found when I was about 15 years old, and I've always loved it, by Dinah Maria Craig. And you probably have heard it. To me, it really speaks of accepting and loving and giving one another that safe space. This is how it goes. Oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words, but pouring them all right out just as they are, chaff and grain together, certain that a faithful hand will take and sift them, keep what is worth keeping, and with a breath of kindness, blow the rest away. That is something that I've thought of for years about how we can make it a safe space for others to share because we're not going to say everything that's perfect or we're not going to do everything that's perfect. But if someone can take the important, the good parts and remember that about us, that creates a safe place. Thank you. That's beautiful imagery. Thank you. As Relief Society women, we are part of a tremendous legacy of service and good works. And I love this. I love this about being part of Relief Society. And we are recording this episode today, again, in the Relief Society building on Temple Square, which is a true monument to the remarkable things that Relief Society women can do 
when we come together to do good. And as a presidency, you wanted to share with listeners how this building came to be and what it represents. And so we asked church women's historian Kate Holbrook to tell the story. And Kate described how for the first 100 years of Relief Society, the General Relief Society leaders had to use shared or borrowed space, but that that changed with the determination and sacrifice of Relief Society women in the 1930s. Here's Kate with the story. 1939, the eve of World War II, and Belle Spafford, who might be a familiar name, she was a Relief Society general president for longer than anybody else, going on three decades. This is before she was president, though. She was the editor of the Relief Society magazine. And the bishop's building was so loud that she couldn't think clearly to do this important work of editing and corresponding with people who were writing for the Relief Society magazine. And Louise Robinson was the president of Relief Society then, and she said, I really need a better space, a quieter room. And Sister Robinson said, well, you need, we need a building. <laughs> we can't get you a room, we need a building. And so when Bell Spafford became president in 1945, at the end of World War II, that was really high on her agenda was to get a building so that the Relief Society leadership could have a space to do all of the work that they needed to do. And at this point, they were into social services work. There was an adoption agency. The Relief Society was really running a lot of big, complicated programs in addition to the magazine. So Bell Spafford went to the president of the church and they said, yes, you raise a certain amount of money, and we will match your donations. So she sent out a call for money. Now, in the United States, this era post-World War II became a fairly prosperous time for a lot of people. But in other countries that had been war-torn, this was not a prosperous time. So they asked that every member of Relief Society donate $5 towards this building. But they said, but you know, if you're from Japan or Western Europe, one of these places that's still reeling, where you still don't even have enough food to eat, you're off the hook. You don't need to worry about making these donations. And I think the way the donations came in is one way where we really see how every member of Relief Society can do what she can do to contribute to a common cause. Uh, we don't have to donate in the same way that our neighbor is donating or that people in a different country are donating. We can donate in the way that works for us. A lot of women in the U.S., for example, some women would have chickens on the side and the money they raised from selling eggs was seen as their own money rather than family money. So some women sold eggs and then donated that money. Some women would be able to raise a lot of money, not a lot, but <laughs> enough money doing that that then they could cover the $5 for their sisters or their daughters. Other people had bazaars. Everybody ended up being able to raise the money. And then people from these war-torn countries, they ended up sending in gifts to the Relief Society building. So they weren't able to contribute money, but they did have, for example, some women in East Germany sent in some fine Meissen porcelain that decorated the building or Women from Italy sent in a Murano glass bird that was beautiful. Everybody sent in what they could. Fast forward a few more years and the Relief Society building was constructed. They set the cornerstone. And finally, in 1956, they finished the building and were able to move in. I feel that the building has a special spirit in it. It feels very feminine and also very holy and very spiritual. The times I've been able to go into that building, 
My favorite space in the Relief Society building is the room of the presidents. And it's a room with all of these paintings completed over time while general presidents of Relief Society, young women and primary. There is a framed portrait of everyone and it's really moving to stand there and you feel a little bit the spirit of all of those women and you feel the power of female leadership and the influence that they have had in the church. Because of my job, because I'm a historian and I focus on women's history in the church, I know the stories of a lot of the women in those portraits. And I know that each one had particular strengths, particular offerings that she brought at an important time when what she had to contribute was particularly needed. So Ardeth Cap, who was an expert at time management and goal setting, she was there to help really get us a workable personal progress program for the Young Women Organization and a theme that was important to us for decades in the church. Eliza R. Snow was there to help establish the Relief Society, Young Women, and Primary Organizations in Utah, and then throughout the church, which was mostly Utah at that period. But you can really see each woman had her own gifts, distinct from the others, sometimes overlapping, something that they brought to stand there and see all of those portraits and the sacrifices that they were willing to make, both in terms of their own worries about their own insecurities and giving up those insecurities in order to step forward and do what they could to build the kingdom of God. It's an amazing room. That is a place that you can visit now. If anybody has plans to be in Salt Lake City, I recommend stopping by the Relief Society building. It feels very much like a living symbol of the heritage of women who come together and they do what they can based on their own talents to create the great work that is Relief Society, the work of saving souls and the work of charity, of providing everybody with what they need temporally. That was Kate Holbrook. We'd love for you sisters to add your thoughts on the meaning of this building that you work from and serve from. Well, I feel that um, the story of how the Relief Society building was built is just so beautiful. Just to think about the sacrifices that so many women made around the world. We heard that the world was coming out of a war and many places were still difficult. But it's wonderful to see that the Sisters of Relief Society responded to the invitation to contribute so that building could be built. Some sisters sent money. Many of them, like we heard, they had to sell things and do all kinds of creative ways of raising the money. But all others, what they did is that they actually sent artifacts. They sent beautiful vases that we still have in the building. So this just shows that we all contribute in different ways. We all have different talents and we can just be willing to contribute to a cause and a beautiful cause like that, our contributions are important. It doesn't matter how big or small they are and how different they are, but every sister can contribute in just building the kingdom of God on this earth and in preparing the earth for the second coming of the Savior. 
You know, just a, about a month ago, President Nelson had all the young adults in the church come for a conference, and lots of people were on the church campus, and the Relief Society building was open so that people before or after could come. And I was downstairs talking to people, and after he spoke, there was a young man, he's probably 25, he walks up to me, and we're in the president's room where Kate has been talking about all those portraits, and he stands there and he says, which one of these is Emmeline B. Wells? And I'm shocked, number one, that he knows about Emmeline B. Wells. So I point up, she's the one in the blue dress. And I said, why do you know about her? And he said, because women in Utah vote because of Emmeline B. Wells. And he knew that story as a 25-year-old elders quorum member, and it was important to him. And I really appreciated him doing that. And I thought about Emmeline Wells. She's a polygamist wife who goes back east to try and talk to Susan B. Anthony and, you know, some of those. And they weren't going to give her the time of day. But by virtue of her personality, she won them over and they became very close friends in the cause of women's suffrage. She's a hero, not only to me as a 60-year-old Relief Society woman, but to a 25-year-old Elders Quorum member. And I really love the example from some of those women that are featured in the Relief Society building because it's not just that they're old and those are old stories. It means means a difference for something that we're doing today. What a great story. You know, I think about what Kate shared about Belle Spafford, who had been the Relief Society General President for almost 30 years, which is remarkable. But one of the things, when they talked about building the building, they said, I want the Relief Society building to be built in the shadow of the temple, because she knew that it was important, the connection Relief Society to the temple. That's where we make these covenants. That's what gives us the power to sustain our efforts is the covenants that we make with our Heavenly Father. And she knew it was so important to have that symbolic connection there. When you think about when it first started, it was not a sewing circle. It was, in fact, a way that the sisters were trying to help those who were working on the temple. But President Joseph Smith said, there's a better way to do that. And he was preparing the women to go into the temple and to make those covenants. So there's a connection to the temple from the very beginning of Relief Society to today. Now we have how many temples around the world? I think 172 that are under operation, and then over 200, of course, that have been announced. But you think about that. Every single woman has that opportunity to contribute. Her life can be a monument, if you want to put it that way, to the remarkable things that Relief Society women can do when they come together to do good. Thank you, President Bingham, for reminding us of that connection, both with proximity and purpose with Relief Society and the temple. As Kate Holbrook mentioned, The building is generally open for visitors, the Relief Society building, and we will also link in the show notes to an online exhibit that shows how the Relief Society came to be and lots of beautiful photos and historical images. There's also a place where you can search the names of donors and donations for the building, and that's really neat. You can just look through both the names but also locations of where these donations came from, so we'll link to that in the show notes. As we talked with Agnishka and Kate, we were able to see just a few examples of service in different times and in different locations. And we know each sister has talents and gifts to contribute, but it's easy to worry that we might not be serving in the right way. And we've talked about this briefly, that maybe our offering to minister or serve won't be perfect or as good as somebody else could do it or as good as we think we should do. And we would just love to hear from you. What counsel would you give to sisters who just feel these fears and inadequacies and they're not feeling like their service is good enough? It makes me laugh. Every time I think about that, I think about President Gordon B. Hinckley's forget yourself and go to work. 
That is honestly the best answer. When I was set apart as a primary general board member by Elder Robert D. Hales, I was sitting there just crying. I was completely overwhelmed by just the thought of serving at the general level. And he looked at me. I didn't say a word, but he said, don't spend a nanosecond thinking about your inadequacies. It's hard not to do, but it's important. You know, I think about President Russell M. Nelson. Now, here he's nearly 98, and his philosophy is, I look to the future rather than the past. So he doesn't think about the things that didn't go so well or the things he didn't do very well, but he looks forward to, okay, what needs to be done now? What can be accomplished here? If we can do that, look to the future. What can I do as an individual, as a Relief Society member, as a woman in the church? What can I do to bless the lives of others in small and simple ways, because each of those aggregate into a really remarkable contribution. So forget yourself and go to work and look to the future rather than the past. I think those are the two things that stay in my mind. I honestly feel that what we need to look for is the ability to love. We read in the scriptures that we can pray for love. And the Savior, when he was asked what was the greatest commandment of all, he replied that it was love for God and love for the neighbor. And I think that if we pray for that, if we are able to feel love for others and also love for our Savior and our Heavenly Father, then we will do the things that we need to do. We will have the power and the ability to do what needs to be done. I think that love needs to be the basis, the foundation of everything that we do. Once we are filled with that love, things will come naturally and then we won't feel that inadequate. And we will just be giving our best offering to the Lord. And he will give us assurances that he's pleased with our efforts. I think that sometimes also we need to ask the Savior to give us assurances that he's pleased with our efforts. And I know that if we do that, he will give us those assurances. I know that at the end of each day, we can just pray to Heavenly Father to accept the offering that we have given him that day and to help ask him to give us the strength that we need to start a new day and to do our best and to just feel that love and keep reaching out to others with that love that we have in our hearts. And I know that if we do that, then things won't look that as difficult as they may right now. Well, Sister Berto and President Bingham, as you shared your thoughts, it's kind of making me think sometimes it might feel overwhelming to just ask Heavenly Father, you know, what can I do? I see all these problems. What can I do? But I'm thinking maybe we could think what we want to do or what we'd like to learn or what we think we could do and approach it that way and say, Heavenly Father, I've been kind of wanting to do more of this or I, you know, have wanted to try this. And anyway, I just feel like maybe he can use that and we can have a little bit of that desire and then we can have maybe more of like a specific direction. We can receive revelation according to that desire. I think our desires are part of our talents. And sometimes we think that, oh, our talents or our gifts are going to go against what we really want to do. <laughs> I think our desires really are part of who we are and who God has made us. I can't quit thinking about Jerusha Barden, who moved to Palmyra with her family and heard all these crazy stories about the Smith family. And instead of avoiding them, she said, I'm going to find out about that. And so she found Hiram and started to ask about what was going on in their family. And of course, their relationship grew, and she became Jerusha Barden Smith. So she was Hiram's first wife. And she had a lot to do with the restoration. They were married at the same time, Joseph and Emma. She was keeping a box that Hiram had made with baby clothes in it. She just had a new baby. But Don Carlos, their little brother, came running into the house because Joseph had gotten the plates and he wanted to put them in that box. So Hiram jumps up, he dumps the baby clothes out, runs out of the room with the box, and her sisters are like, 
what's going on? (laughs) But she was a great supporter of everything from the very beginning of the Restoration. She helped with the Kirtland Temple. She worked, and she would have been a great member of the Relief Society, but she died in childbirth. So I think about her. We don't talk about her. Her photo isn't anywhere. We don't really know her story. And she's emblematic of a lot of women who are doing things, but it seems like it's invisible and it's behind the scenes and nobody knows about it. And the thing that I would say is, God sees that. All of what you're doing is recorded, and he loves you for it, and he'll reward you for it. And you don't need to worry about whether it's seen by the right people at the right time because the angels are recording it, and it's known in heaven. And that helps me a lot when my contributions are invisible and behind the scenes, and nobody even knows that I had anything to do with it. I think about Jerusha Barden-Smith. Thank you. I've never heard that story before. I'm going to look up Jerusha. Thank you for introducing and reminding us of her When we thought about asking this question, I have a tendency to feel like everything has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, it's not good enough. Maybe not every woman feels that way, but I know that a lot do. And it's good when we're thinking about this to be reminded that that is not the expectation of our Heavenly Father. Instead, it really is the adversary that's saying, if it's not good enough, I don't want it at all. And then I just think of what would be if every woman felt that it has to be perfect or else it's not worth doing. And then the adversary would win because so much work would go undone. And so it's just good to have this conversation and be reminded that our small, imperfect efforts are exactly what is needed and that they are valuable. You know, it's been such a privilege to serve in this calling with these two remarkable women. It's easy to see, isn't it, the gifts that they bring. Sister Alberto consistently brings us back to the core, and that is the Savior Jesus Christ. And Sister Eubank consistently brings us meaningful stories that help us identify with the principles that we're learning. It's been such a joy and such a blessing to work with them and to meet Relief Society sisters all over the world and to see their contributions may be humble, may be imperfect, but they make such a difference to so many. Thank you for the opportunity to visit with you today and let us share our thoughts. It's been a delight. I want to testify that this is the Lord's work, that we are doing as Relief Society Sisters. We are doing His work as we share our seemingly small contributions in any way that we have a desire and talents to do so. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, thank you so much to each of you for being here today. We've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. It's been a delight. It's been our privilege. And we're so grateful for your service in the General Relief Society presidency these past five years. You've led us through a very unique and challenging time, and we appreciate you doing that with all your hearts. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to this special bonus episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. We hope that the stories and conversations shared today inspired and lifted you, and we hope you'll share this episode with your sisters, friends, and family members. And if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. And while we continue to take a break from weekly episodes, we would love to hear your suggestions and ideas for future themes and topics and conversations. Please share your thoughts with us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. Finally, we'd like to thank again the Relief Society Presidency, President Bingham, Sister Eubank, and Sister Roberto, and their amazing and helpful staff, and our inspiring guests, Agnieszka Mazarowska and Kate Holbrook. Carly and I produced this episode along with so much help from Matthew Mangum, Jennifer Johnson, and our executive producer, Brittany Beatty, and the Leahona Magazine. This episode was edited by Publishing Services of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Until next time, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.